It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Move the fire across the screen like you're dragging it in Microsoft Paint. When it comes to it, at the end of the day, I truly do not give a shit about rocks. Shannon, what was the worst thing that you ever saw on Nickelodeon? Oh, God. Which was a cornucopia of bad. It was. In Canada, Nickelodeon shows were on this channel called YTV, which was not Nickelodeon. Mm. Um, But it was the only place we didn't have the Nickelodeon channel. And YTV had a lot of, like, in between the the show's little shorts where people just got covered in slime. God, they loved slime, didn't they? Slime and gunge. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely caked in green and blue gunge. Yeah. Every day of my life watching (laughs) YTV, which was Nickelodeon, but Canada. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of um, non-Nickelodeon, but like British TV show stuff for kids where a punishment on a game show would be like being chucked into a vat of gunge and I think it made me think that I'd be encountering gunge (laughs) as a material (laughs) way more in my life than I did and I've encountered it almost zero times and thank god really yeah honestly did the show Uh uh-oh ever air in the UK I think it was a Canadian children's game show um, uh oh, uh oh. Okay. <laughs> that the the punishment was like a dunk tank of slime. Yeah. That you were like under in a chute, and they just drop a massive bucket on you. Oh right, yeah. We had some of those. We had get your own back, which is where you had like a, a, a an older sibling or a parent or a teacher, or a, like a taekwondo teacher <laughs> or something like that, who um you got to do challenges. To get the, to get your own back on them, <laughs> and um, if they lost, they would be like they were on sort of like a slide, and if mm-hmm. they lost a point on a quiz and lost the whole show, they'd get slid into the vat of gunge. How's the gunge market doing these days? Since the early two thousands ended, it may only have been our generation that was so into gunge. And I also thought as a kid from like some stuff that appeared on like children's charity. Uh, like donation fundraisers it shows mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was way more common for people to bathe in bathtubs full of baked beans <laughs> every time there was some sort of like comic relief children in need like CBBC fundraiser yeah. thing someone would be bathing in a bathtub full of baked beans that's revolting <laughs> I don't even like to eat baked beans I do like to eat baked beans but I don't want <sighs> I just can't resolve, if I ever bathed in baked beans, I, I would just think of it as a bathing liquid and I wouldn't want to eat it. Well, that being said, I bathe in water and I drink that, you know? Yeah. But not bath water. Makes you think. Makes And that's, this is not even Nickelodeon for me. For me, it was Cat Dog, <laughs> which I think was on Nickelodeon, which was that show where there was, like, an animal that had a, a cat's head and a dog's head. And neither of the animals' butts. 
Yeah. Like, you didn't know which the butt was, the yeah. cat or the dog. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was somewhere the poo would come out. And and I never focused... I don't know what the plot of cat-dog was, because i just turn it on and I'd think, biologically, how does this poor animal function? I saw commercials for cat-dog, and that was enough to to give me that same sort of train of thought. <laughs> oh, there was some real bullshit on Nickelodeon. Yeah. And listen, I'm a SpongeBob fan. I'll defend SpongeBob <laughs> till my last, but... Like, it was the the, te- the channel where all of the annoying shows were, even more so than Cartoon Network. Yeah. I was not a Spongebob fan, um, which is a, a horrible confession for someone born in 1995, but I was a big fan of Danny Phantom on Nickelodeon. Yeah, Danny Phantom was a good time. Yeah. I can't think of really much else, but... Uh, let's see. You've got Rugrats. I hated Those Rugrats. Those bum- bumpy looking babies. God, I hated Rugrats. That was the the start of, well, not the start of a trend, but there was that, and then Ren and Stimpy, mm-hmm. and then Ah, Real Monsters, where they tried to make all the characters look as ugly as possible, mm-hmm. that they still have not fully resolved today. And I'm going <laughs> to say it once, and I know someone, people listening are going to get narky with me, but I'm going to say it, and when I've said it, I've said it. And I don't even think this is Nickelodeon. Steven Universe is unwatchable to me, because all the characters are too ugly. <laughs> you tell that children's show. <laughs> Listen, and this is, I think people might get angry, because it's like body positivity for, for, for lesbian space rocks, but they don't look like humans would, and they all look like they've just, they just look like cat's buttholes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, another thing that's put me off geology for life is Steven Universe's mistreatment of minerals. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. I don't want to hear it. Like, I think kids have it good today in terms of cartoons. There's a lot of thoughtful cartoo- cartoons that I-, I think that are out there. <laughs> I just can't deal with <laughs> Steven Universe. <laughs> Because all the characters are space fascists, <laughs> and they're all—they all have redemption arcs because a sad kid sings a ukulele song to them. But this is not this is not a cursed or blessed episode about Steven Universe. I just can't. No. Whenever it enters my head, I have to have that rant about about ugly looking space fascists <laughs> that are let off the hook too easy. No, this isn't about Steven Universe. Though I almost wish it was. <laughs> Maybe one day. What Nickelodeon show are we talking about today, Elise? I'm glad you asked. We're talking about Fairly Odd Parents. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about Timmy Turner. We're talking Wonder. We're talking that one with green hair. Cosmo. We're talking that babysitter. I don't know. We're talking Doug Dimmerdome. Over at the Dimsdale Dimmerdome. (laughs) I don't know why I remember his name. Not the name of the green-haired fairy. (laughs) Nah, we ain't. We're talking about the only good cartoon that was on during our time. (laughs) We're talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. And if we were just talking about the cartoon, this would be a happy episode. And also not one that we would even just do on its own. Because there are some things, sometimes we're like, oh, we should talk about, like, The Lion King. And then we're like, no, 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 that's too good. Mm Mm-hmm. If there's something that's obviously blessed. We don't watch it for you people. No. 
That'd be a waste of our time to watch something good. Yeah. Who do you think we are? The other day, you said we should watch something good on Sunday night. And I was like, yeah. And you were like, yeah. And then we both thought, what's a good movie? I don't know any anymore. You could watch the Steven Universe movie. I don't know what a good movie is. I've not been to a theater in a year. <laughs> One of the last movies we watched was David Copperfield. Yes. Starring Dev Patel, who will sadly feature in this episode. Because not only are we talking about the cartoon, we're also talking about live-action Avatar by M. Night Shyamalan, the 2010 <sighs> clusterfuck. Sadly, sadly, sadly starring Dev Patel. Oh, damn, you never should have been in this movie. You never should have been in this show. <laughs> Dev, why are you in our podcast? You're too good. You're too pure. I'm more upset about having to mention Dev Patel in this podcast than I am about having mentioned Judy Dench in the Cats episode. <laughs> this is more unfair. He doesn't deserve this. It's not his fault. No. The thing is, he was a he was very young. He was 20 when it came out. He must have been 19 when they were exactly. filming it. Exactly. And under loads of pressure. So he just finished doing Slumdog Millionaire. He got pressured into being an Avatar. And uh, and Judy Dench should have known better yeah. <laughs> than to say yes to being old Deuteronomy <laughs> and sticking her leg right in the air while lounging in a cat basket. Yeah. Presumably naked. <laughs> we think. Presumably. It's unclear as to whether her character's naked or just has a horrible tumorous growth. <laughs> Refer yeah. to our cats episode. This isn't nothing about what we're going to talk about is Dev Patel's fault. He was <laughs> offered the best role in this movie. Yeah, he was. Someone came up to him and he was like, "Do you want to play the best character in children's television in the last probably ever?" And he was <laughs> like, "Yes, of course. Yes, I do." And they did him dirty. And they did him dirty. And they used him for other evils. <laughs> Oh man. Uh so so Shannon, what is Avatar? What is an Avatar? What? Please let me know because I've watched the movie and I'm real confused. <laughs> I'm gonna take the I'm gonna pretend right now to be someone who's not seen the cartoon but has watched the movie. Okay. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I watched the whole movie and I don't understand any of it. So I'm gonna give our very first Curse Dribbler spoilers warning because this is a spoiler warning for the cartoon because it's the first thing we've watched that I think you listeners should actually also watch. Yeah. It's good enough that I'm willing to recommend it. So this is a spoiler warning from here on in for the cartoon. We're only going to talk really in detail about season one, but other little details might come up. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's... <laughs> You know what I wish, Elise, is I wish that the the cartoon had a built-in sort of introduction to the world, like a really short version where they'd like frame up what the lore was and like what everyone's powers were. Like a helpful voiceover with some useful imagery yeah. and a compelling narrative. And some nice animation and some sorting music, almost like it might be at the beginning of every episode of the show and they could have just like done that at the beginning of the movie and not changed any of the words. That would have really helped me to understand uh, what the hell this movie was about, uh, Shannon. I would have loved that. I really wish it had been there. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender is a fantasy series. It's set in a fictional land where there are four kingdoms. 
earth, water, air, and fire. And Gunge, you forget the fifth kingdom. <laughs> the Gunge kingdom. <laughs> the kingdom of goo. <laughs> um, long ago, the four kingdoms lived in harmony. <laughs> Everything changed when the when fire the... nation attacked. When the Gunge nation attacked. <laughs> Swamped our village with guns. (laughs) Sorry, they're not kingdoms, they're nations. (laughs) I've had so much to drink before this episode. (laughs) It's necessary. Within these nations, some people are able to to magically control the element that their kingdom is named after. And they're called benders. So if you're a waterbender and you live in one of the water tribes, you can control water and you can manipulate ice. You're basically like a Elsa, but cooler. Yeah. Because Elsa doesn't touch wet stuff, only hard ice things. <laughs> so imagine Elsa, but with more... And <laughs> I put that in the review for the DVD box set of Frozen. Elsa doesn't touch wet stuff, just hard frozen things. <laughs> the cold never bothered her, but wet stuff does. She just doesn't like the sensation of it. That's, a, <laughs> that's Frozen 2. Spoiler alert. Frozen 2 is Elsa gets pushed into a lake. She and... goes into the sea and she doesn't like it, yeah. does she? No, she doesn't. If you're an earthbender, you control rocks. <laughs> Etc. Etc. But not everyone in the kingdoms. Only some people. It's like a minority of people. And there is a a being called the Avatar who can master all four elements. um, Who is every time the Avatar dies, they are reincarnated into the next kingdom in the cycle. So it'll be like the Water Kingdom, and then the Earth Kingdom, then the Fire Kingdom, then the Air Kingdom. Yes. I think I actually got that in the right order. Yes. (laughs) And the the show starts with the Avatar disappearing just as the Fire Nation attacked mm-hmm. everyone, presumably. They're not quite clear on the Fire Nation's battle plan. Uh, and then for a hundred years, everyone thought the Avatar was dead because... No he, one turfed up. He was due to be born into the Air Kingdom, and the Fire Nation killed everyone in the Air Nation. Yeah, full on. This is the t- kids' TV show. Like, an early plot point is an entire racial genocide, which yeah. is really heavy. It is really heavy. And it's handled really well. And it's in, like, episode three of yeah. season one of this children's show. Yeah. The the Avatar, uh, a young kid called Aang, escapes the Air Monastery and ends up uh, frozen in um, pack ice. In and the South Pole. In... in Fantasy Antarctica. Yes. And and survives. Because he was in, a, in the Avatar state, which is a magical, powerful state that only the Avatar can get into. Yada, yada, yada. He's living, but he's frozen. And two kids find... Two kids from the Water Nation find him, let him out, and they go on adventures together. Yes. Um, as the Avatar tries to master all four elements. He's quite young. He's about 11 in the first season. Yeah. Um, they're all they're all young kids. Not that the movie knows that. No. And the the cartoon's great. Like it's just it's a mixture of like filler episodes and japes, um, but with like some really interesting political stuff thrown in. So like in the first season, they they travel from the South Pole to the North Pole, so that one of the kids that finds him, Katara, who can waterbend, and Ang can learn to mm-hmm. waterbend properly. And they travel to various villages and get into some political japes, mm-hmm. all the while being chased by the Fire Nation. Yes. 
on cool ships. Namely, chased by Prince Zuko, the exiled prince of the Fire Nation, who is has been sent to find the Avatar, though it's implied that the Fire Lord does not think that the Avatar is still alive, so he's kind of sent his son on a fool's errand. Yeah, and his son's like, what, 14, 15? Yeah, I think like 15 in the first season. Sad times. It's sad times. Shannon, this sounds like a very simple premise for a plot. Surely this would make for an understandable and entertaining movie. Surely it would. Surely I would not go through the entire movie not fully understanding what's happening despite having watched the show the day before. (laughs) (laughs) So the context from the movie, at this point the whole cartoon series had wrapped up. There are three seasons and... I don't know why, given the tone, they decided to go in this direction with a live-action movie. Uh, Making a live-action movie at all seems weird, but not, like, that whack. What is whack is that M. Night Shyamalan directed it. (laughs) I just feel like it's like going up to someone and saying, I would like to make a sequel to Lord of the Rings, and to write it, I've hired Stephen King. (laughs) Neither of those two things are bad, but they're incompatible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's just a bad choice. <laughs> Do Fast and Furious, the musical directed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh, Make Guillermo del Toro's love, actually. <laughs> I feel bad for anyone who who saw the movie without having seen the cartoon because as alluded to it's just it's non-comprehensible they don't really explain the political setup at the beginning which is is bizarre given that the political setup is explained in the pre-roll to every single episode of the cartoon yeah they they had a script they could have just taken yeah I, I think before we get into more petty and, and, and fun critiques, I maybe want to start with the main the bad big thing. The big one, yeah. The main bag of worst thing is... Uh, so the cartoon, uh, the different nations are inspired by a mix of Asian, South American, um, and indigenous, particularly polar indigenous communities. And it's not, like, perfectly handled in the cartoon, but it makes, you know, efforts towards decent representation... Uh, no, no characters are white, and it's not meant to be inspired by Western culture, at all. But, 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 but every character, <laughs> every like protagonist mm. in the movie is played by a white person. Yeah, it's Aang, wild. Katara, and Sokka are all played by white people. Yeah. So you've got the the South Pole community. And both the southern and northern wards tried in the cartoon are meant to be based around uh, polar, just Arctic indigenous communities. And I think that's really cool. And there's lots of cool details thrown in. And I think it's great representation for a really underrepresented group. And sure enough, in the South Pole, there are like hints that there's, you know, there's people have igloos. There's, you know, they, 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 a lot of the extras are people of color. Mm-hmm. Apart from Sokka and Katara. The two main the characters. Two main characters. And the only ones with speaking roles. Because their yeah. grandmother also has a speaking role. And, and she's, she's also white. white. And when they go to the North Pole, which is also meant to be the same type of culture, everyone in that town, extra or otherwise, 
is a white person. And like the their outfits are designed so they look like they're in Finland or like certain parts of like Russia. No one looks indigenous whatsoever. It's a conscious choice. Yeah. Another conscious choice they made is that the only person of color in the main cast is Zuko who is the villain of the first season. He's pretty unequivocally the villain of the first season. He's a complicated character later on. We could, we talking about Dev Patel right We're now. We're talking about Dev Patel. We talking Dev. I love Dev Patel. He's a great cast for Zuko. But what they also then decided to do was say, you know what? Everyone in the Fire Nation is going to be Indian. Yeah. Or South Asian. Yeah. All of the Fire Nation, who are all the bad guys. And not just that, they've changed the entire, like, design of, like, the Fire Nation capital. Like, the the, the royal palace looks like it's in Sri Lanka or somewhere, where it's yeah. meant to be, like, it's meant de to facto be... Japan. The Fire Nation in the cartoon is based off of Imperial Japan. Pretty obviously, yeah. in terms of their costuming, the architecture, and just the general history the show is drawing from. And they were like, nope, we've changed our mind for the movie and redesigned everything. Yes. Um, in... I, I just... Who made that choice and why? M. Night Shyamalan, and for perplexing reasons, like, I really want to know. Uh, and did no one... I know it's 2010, so long ago, but surely someone in the production team must have known it was wrong. Someone must have been like, hang on, guys. Right around when they cast Sokka as Jasper from Twilight, <laughs> was someone like, hang on, we've, we've perhaps gone about this a little bit wrong. <laughs> no? <laughs> okay, I guess we'll just keep on trucking then. Yeah. Oh, dear gosh, dear golly gosh. Uh, so that's the main thing about the live action movie. Which means that we can now move on to more petty reasons it yeah, sucks. because there are a lot of them. They're numerous. <laughs> Maybe the characters' names? That's a quick one to get through. This is so bizarre. They... This isn't based on a book, it's based on a TV show, where all the characters have names that people say out loud. Yeah. And the movie changes the pronunciation of a, many of the characters' names. I, we read an article this morning, because we were trying to figure this out, mm -hmm. that said that M. Night Shyamalan changed them to be more true to the actual pronunciation of these names in the cultures that they are based on. But I feel like that kind of doesn't work when you've cast white actors to play yeah, these characters. Yeah, exactly. It just feels more wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the most egregious one is Sokka. Sokka's name gets changed to Soka. Yep. Aang gets changed to Ong. Ong. Oh yeah, the word Avatar gets changed to Uvatar. <laughs> Every Ong character the, says Ong, Uvatar. are you the Uvatar? <laughs> and... Iro, Zuko's uncle, gets changed to Iro. Yep. It's, it is an extremely bizarre set of changes. <laughs> it's really alienating to anyone who's a fan of the cartoon watching yeah. this. It's just weird. And, uh, yep. And I think it's the least of my complaints. It is the least of my complaints. <laughs> I feel like if that had been a change they made in a good movie, I'd be like, that's fair change them to be more true to the correct pronunciation of these names. But it just feels like extra wrong when they've whitewashed the whole cast. Yeah. 
In the cartoon, I'm a really big fan of how, like, all the characters, all the recurring characters are very thoughtful arcs, and mm-hmm. they've got very, dis- they're very consistently written, they've got good personalities, they have, like, little mini arcs in each season, then, like, an overarching one, mm-hmm. and you know their motivations, you can, you know why they're getting frustrated at particular points in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very well-written characters, and, and everyone in the movie is, is, is just, like, they have the personality of a blank word document (laughs) and I think that might be too much because at least a blank word document will have like formatting specifications you know know, the margin size and the font things might be written in but like no character has a personality all all the kids are so self-serious but also completely aimless yeah and aimless is a good word for it because we we rewatched the beginning of the first season and the end of the first season right before watching the movie just to like refresh ourselves. And the the beginning of the first season of the show is extremely pointed. Aang shows up, Katara and Sokka meet him. We find out he's the avatar. He has to learn water bending. Katara also wants to learn water bending. Let's go to the North Pole. Yeah. None of that is established in the movie at all until they're yeah. already on their way to the North Pole. They start traveling for why? For Japes? <laughs> to go where? <laughs> <laughs> they they don't, don't really establish that Aang is the Avatar until like 20 minutes into this hour and 40 minute long movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... Soka and Katara, sorry, Soka and Katara have like an inkling that he might be the Avatar because their grandmas had suspicions, but they don't really confront Aang about it. And yeah, we just don't know until they go to an Earth Kingdom village, and they're like, "Oh, we're oppressed by the Fire Nation." And Aang, a kid, is like, "Don't be oppressed. Fight them with your rocks." <laughs> Remember, you can throw rocks, and they're all like, "Yeah." We can throw rocks, actually, but not very well, according to the oh, film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, in the cartoon, the bending is amazing. People can be really powerful and do really cool things with their powers. It's suited to animation very well. And I think even though CGI could do a lot of that, they just... Certain choices... <laughs> so in the cartoon, sometimes I think earth bending's overpowered. Yeah. Because they're like very strong and they can do lots of lots of extra stuff yeah. if they want they can metal bend if mm-hmm. they're very skilled if they want they can lava bend mm-hmm. um they can sand bend and mud bend and yada 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 and there's always rocks around yeah and you know maybe M. Night Shyamalan thought maybe yeah maybe earthbenders are overpowered <laughs> I'm gonna change it so that <laughs> seven men have to stand up and do like a 20 minute set of rhythmic movements <laughs> to have one cat sized boulder wiggle off the ground and slowly, slowly move towards the Fire Nation soldiers. And you might be like, well, that's giving loads of advantage to the Fire Nation soldiers then. No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> the Fire Nation. In, in the cartoon, the Fire Nation, the firebenders can produce fire they do their martial arts moves and fire comes out of their feet and their hands it's very powerful they can bend lightning Mm -hmm. there's many things they can do in in the live action film they can only move existing fire they'll just like 
wave their hand at a blazing torch or a campfire <laughs> and just move the fire across the screen like you're dragging it in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> so you get to the bit, like, the the climax of the movie, the, um, the Fire Nation Navy is doing a siege on this town in the North Pole. And they're, you know, they've broken in through the gates and they're attacking people and all the waterbenders have to fight them back. And, you know, there's water fucking everywhere because it's there's ice in the ocean. So, you know, they're in good territory anyway. And I can understand the Fire Nation being a threat if they can just produce fire and melt all your shit and burn you. But if you... Uh, don't have open fire pits. <laughs> there are so many open fire pits in this movie, in both the Earth Kingdom and in the Water Tribes. It's like, as soon as you see the Fire Nation coming, extinguish that shit. <laughs> and they're gonna be useless. Absolutely useless. You're <laughs> surrounded by water. Put out your torches. Oh my god. And lest you think that this is just us picking on... 2010 CGI, it is in the dialogue of the film that firebenders cannot produce fire. Like, it's a textual change to the script. <laughs> the Fire Lord says, like, when Sozin's Comet arrives, which is a plot point in season two, the firebenders will become more powerful. So far, so the same as the show. Yeah. And then he says, we will be able to produce fire. You could do that the whole the yeah. whole time. As soon as the other nations figure out how to make flamethrowers, then the Fire Nation are not going to be special it's anymore. It's over for you, bitches. It should be over the, for these bitches anyway. What <laughs> What is really interesting, though, is they make that change. It's extremely consistent, except that Zuko and Iroh each produce fire once in the movie. Yeah. In a really obvious way. Yeah. And I get that Iroh's like a master firebender, but Zuko isn't. Yeah. Like, he's just a shitty teen at that point, yeah. you know? Like, he can do fire stuff, but not that well. Yeah. Um, another thing in this movie... So, Aang is the only airbender left, because they've, they've been all wiped out. And he's meant to be really good at it. And I always thought that airbending is maybe one of the coolest ones, because there's just a bunch of stuff you can do with it, I guess. But, like, he just... It, he just makes it look like the shittiest thing ever. It's like, <laughs> if five people blew hard enough at an enemy's face, it would cause more damage than Aang airbending at them. Yeah. <laughs> what is really, I think, so egregious about the bending in the film is the contrast with... The bending in the, the cartoon is... Each bending style is based on a different martial art. Water bending is Tai Chi, for example. Mm -hmm. These are martial arts that you can teach children. Even the child actors in this. Yeah. When, by the time I was 11, I was like a green belt in karate. The youngest of the child actors is 12. Yeah. Like, you can teach them enough of it to just do it in the movie to make it look good, and then you animate the water or the air or whatever around mm -hmm. them. No, instead they all just wave their hands around, and then the air or the water moves completely independently of the motions <laughs> they've made with their body. <laughs> like, Aang does a flip, and then there's a beat of of just dead time, and then a bunch of air whips up yeah. around him. So if you were being attacked by someone who could bend in this universe, in the movie, <laughs> you could just see that someone's doing, like, random martial arts near you while looking at you, 
and you've got enough time to run. Yeah. <laughs> before whatever comes at you comes at you. And it's probably just a rock hovering toward you. <laughs> it's like if you're gonna if you need seven men to throw that rock, just have one man throw just pick it up and throw the rock. <laughs> just ah. Uh, Oh. I'm really glad that Toph is not in season one and she wasn't dragged into this. Yeah, she's uh, a little girl who's a very powerful earthbender who is like the first metal bending master, I guess, Yeah, in the cartoon. And yeah, they would have made her super weak <laughs> in the show yeah. and also have zero personality. Yeah. And it would have been sad because they've already ruined the, the characters that, that, they did pre- have. that they did have. Which is most of them. Yeah. The way the movie is cut is also bizarre. We did, when we looked this up, find out some stuff about maybe big chunks of it being cut out when they were trying to convert the movie to 3D quickly Mm -hmm. for it to open on a certain weekend, which to me is not an excuse. Don't release your movie till it's done. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is filmmaking 101. But there's, like, weird disconnected bits of dialogue. Like, the first thing Aang says is, I'm feeling better now than I was before. Before when? Before, yeah, before (laughs) what happened. (laughs) Nothing's happened yet. And then entire, like, long plot points just get voiced over, meaning that you do not care about the ramifications. For example, when they go to the North Pole, in the cartoon, Sokka and the princess of the North Pole, like, have a sort of well, they won't need dating kind of thing, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, they spend time on it. But that's just mentioned once by Katara in the voiceover. Yeah, my and brother I, really hit it off with Princess Yue. Like, yeah, sure, I'm invested now. And then when <laughs> she, when she, spoiler alert, dies, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Who are any of these people? Like, you get so far into the movie without having any emotional connection to anything. Yeah. It's almost impressive. It truly is. And and I think Dev did a decent job. I think Dev did his best. He had the most, like, true-to-the-cartoon dialogue, to be fair. Yeah. So you knew of his struggles. Yeah. He seemed to know what he was doing. Yeah. You could see, like, in some scenes that he sort of, part of his soul had died. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think maybe he twigged partway through that it wasn't good that he was in this film. Yeah. I think everyone should instead go watch uh, the recent adaptation of David Copperfield starring Dev Patel and be happier. Dev Um, Patel as David Copperfield (laughs) looks fine. (laughs) He's got some choice waistcoats. <laughs> he really does. While we're, while we're speaking of casting in this film, there are four main child characters, Aang, Sokka, Katara, and Zuko, and they're all approximately the same age. They range from 11 or 12 to about 15 or 16. Yeah. What they did in the film is cast Aang and Katara to be 12 and 14, respectively. And then Sokka... Uh, was played by a 25-year-old, and Zuko was played by a 19-year-old. Just pick a lane. Like, if you're gonna do a CW TV show thing and cast everyone as someone in their mid-twenties and are like, look, they're only 12, do it, it's fine. And the whole thing, the whole point of, like, Sokka's arc at first is that, you know, he's the only... Like, he's the oldest male in the village. All the men have gone to war, so he's in charge of defending the village. So a lot mm-hmm. of pressure is on him. He's internalized this idea of being, like, 
very manly and a warrior, mm-hmm. but he's a legit child. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's almost sad to see him want to, like, offer himself up like this. Yeah. But it doesn't matter in the movie, because he's a grown man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sokka has to be just the oldest child. Yeah. He doesn't work as <laughs> someone in their mid-20s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the character is not compelling <laughs> If it's just a grown adult. <laughs> uh, Katara is made to be very boring in the movie, too. Yeah, she has a lot of voiceover, but not much else to do, really. It's not made clear in the movie that she's the only waterbender left in the whole of Antarctica. Yeah. Because all of the others have been imprisoned or killed by, by the, the Fire, Fire Nation. Nation. Yeah, so her motivation for traveling with Aang in the movie is very unclear. Um, in the cartoon, it's super clear that she wants to go to the North Pole because she wants someone to teach her waterbending. Because yeah. she doesn't have anyone to teach her in the South Pole. No one even teaches her in the movie. No, she we never see learns. The, the guy who teaches her and Aang, and, but he doesn't teach anyone. No. He's just some old man who's there. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Just, I have no answers. Aang himself is the most serious and sullen character (laughs) I've ever seen the movie Aang. But in the cartoon, his whole thing is that he's very, like, naive and childlike and playful. And that's contrasted with, like, the gravity of what in later seasons he's asked to do. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Yeah. But, like... Also, I just want to take this moment to mention... (laughs) In the cartoon, he's got this whole thing about how he's a pacifist, yeah. and he and he does not want to kill. He doesn't kill. It's against yeah. his code of conduct. Yeah. But in the few episodes we've watched, just to refresh ourselves about the cartoon, <laughs> he does at least a dozen murders <laughs> without really internalizing it. In the siege of the North Pole, he's like flying onto the. Fire Nation ships and like dropping people in the water at the North Pole. They're wearing armor. Those men are dead. I've been in the, the not to brag, <laughs> I've been in the ocean in the Arctic. It's fucking cold and you lose all of your feeling instantly. If I was to be thrown off a ship into that water, I would be dead within a minute. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you just die. Yeah. Because he, he's killed. Yeah, he's killed those people. It's a bit of a Batman situation where if you watch, like, an old Batman cartoon, he'll be killing henchmen left and right, but then when he comes face to face with the Joker, he's like, I don't kill. Aang's <laughs> got a bit of that going on in the cartoon. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I won't kill Fire Lord Ozai, and meanwhile, he's just yeeting Fire Nation soldiers off ships into the ocean. <laughs> All the previous Avatar reincarnations like, who he can access while meditating are like, Ang, it's really okay if you do some murders. Yeah. Like, it's okay if you kill. This is a war. You can kill the Fire Lord. We aren't gonna judge you if you kill someone. He's like, this gives my code of conduct. It's Mm -hmm. like, Ang, you're sitting on a pile of bodies. (laughs) (laughs) In the cartoon, at the end of the Siege of the North, Ang goes into the Avatar state, which is, like, a, a powerful state his eyes glow mm-hmm. um, and like summons all this water to turn himself into this like big glowing blue ocean creature and it's amazing yeah it's so cool that whole bit is excellent the fire nation um attempts to 
to kill the moon spirit. Yeah. Um, because the water nation takes their power from the moon. So the whole thing is done in black and white because the moon's gone out, except for, like, the glowing blue of yeah. Aang's big monster um, as he tosses Fire Nation ships around. It's stunning. Murdering in the process. Yes. There's, like, a fight going on between Zuko and one of the generals that he's had tension with for the whole season, and you see these big, big flares of flame that, like, lights up mm-hmm. colors in this, like, black and white scene. It's really visually gorgeous. And what do they do in the film version of this, Elise? I, I think I blacked out. <laughs> um, Aang has not partake, partook, partaken in any of the fighting so far. He slowly wanders up to the bridge yeah. and causes a tidal wave. The biggest tidal wave you've seen not expressing any emotion. And he doesn't even knock over any of the Fire Nation ships. He just pushes them back a bit. And then they all run away. And everyone's like, congrats, you're the Avatar. And he's like, thanks, I know. I don't know what his emotions are at the end of the movie. There's no baseline. No. I don't know what anyone's feeling about anything. I'm certainly not feeling anything by the end of that movie. Uh, I, I felt like my brain had been melted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also I was bored as shit because there's nary a joke. Nary a joke in this in this here movie and there's plenty of jokes in the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the movie is extremely joyless for such a fun cartoon that deals with heavy subjects mm-hmm. but also has a lot of levity in yeah. it. Yeah. And because it's so grim the whole time, it means like emotional beats just do not land. It's like, oh the princess is dead. Them's the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's, there's some cool visual stuff that they missed out on in the movie that I think could have been done with the CGI mm. available. Yeah. Like, Aang does enter the spirit world, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, I don't know, get inspiration in the movie. And he's met with the dingiest looking dragon who's like, Aang, believe in yourself or some shit. <laughs> but, which is useless. <laughs> Whereas in the um, cartoon, he is searching t- for the moon spirits to yeah. talk to them um, and ends up dealing with this cool as hell monster called the Co- face Co- the face stealer yeah. which is like a giant millipede which can switch its face and like twist around Aang and if Aang makes a facial expression he will we'll be t- take his ha- face. have his face stole and maybe that's what happened with M. Night Shyamalan's cast. Maybe Ko the face stealer was on set. So M. Night Shyamalan was like, no one make a facial expression because the centipede will eat your face. That might be why. Maybe it's already Maybe happened. Sh- <laughs> I wanted my face to get stole by the end of this, just so I could feel something. It was such a disappointment to have this like extremely cool creature replaced with a very generic looking dragon. Yeah. In the dark. Yep. And I don't usually complain about the dragons that I see. Usually I'm very receptive to dragons. I am usually pro-dragon. This was a bad dragon. This was worse than Benedict Cumberbatch's dragon. Yeah. Which I didn't like to see. I didn't like to see that either. I just... It just... I just... (laughs) What was I meant to learn from the movie? What did it teach me? 
Jack shit. Nothing. It didn't even do the very basic job of teaching the lesson of wouldn't it be cool if you could shoot fire out of your hand? Because not, <laughs> yeah, because not really. Right, it's like, okay, it, it doesn't seem cool to be an earthbender because you may as well just throw a rock instead. Yeah. And like, I can already throw a rock, thank you very much. <laughs> I've done it before, I'll do it again. The firebending doesn't seem that useful because there's got to be open fire around. And generally, when you th- really think about it, really think about your your life, there's not that much fire lying around. Yeah. Unless you're in Copenhagen in December. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just witnessed lots of open flames when we went to Copenhagen last, last year. <laughs> they said they put their Christmas lights up and it was their first night of the Christmas lights being up in Copenhagen it was raining really hard and we were just walking down like a busy shopping street and one of the like garlands of, of light above us just fully just set on fire <laughs> and no one responded <laughs> trying to talk to like should someone call someone everyone was just like hmm flames huh <laughs> <laughs> and then as we kept like walking around the streets after that we saw like just open flames around everywhere but that's an anomaly yeah. that's just a Copenhagen thing yeah exactly like in Edinburgh I never see fire I never see open flames so that's kind of useless airbending doesn't seem very powerful in the movie and maybe waterbending is the best thing going but even then yeah like you know, but in the cartoon, it's like, oh, so many bending styles. Be cool to do all this shit. Yeah. And I think that's the basic job of the movie. And it didn't even achieve that. No. It's like, I'm going to preface this by saying I do not support J.K. Rowling. <laughs> it's like if there was a version of Harry Potter where, like, all of the Hogwarts houses were just really shitty. <laughs> you know? It's like, well, I don't think I want to be in any of them. Like... <laughs> Ah, in Gryffindor, everyone's just a bit of a twat. (laughs) And in Slytherin, you're very, very good at LinkedIn. (laughs) And if you're in Ravenclaw, then... Then... Long division. And if you're in a Hufflepuff, then you're very good at napping. It's like, ah, I don't want to be in any of them. (laughs) Whereas, like, again, not to defend J.K. Rowling too much... People tend to vibe with one of them. Usually there's some sort of, like, desire there to be a part of this fantasy world. And, yeah, J.K. Rowling can go straight to hell. Um, (laughs) And so can this movie. So can this movie. Like, I don't think I really want any of the bending in the movie. Like... (sighs) Maybe water at, at, at a push if I could, yeah. had to pick one. If I had to pick one, water. Which I don't think would be my choice in the cartoon. I think my choice would be air. I don't... I gotta be real and say my choice would be fire. It's the least practical, but I gotta be true to myself. At least you'd be able to generate it out your own hands. Yeah, I could get really into... I don't know masonry smithing (laughs) yeah so many options well I remember we discussed this what kind of bending we'd have like months ago and I'm still offended by what you said you said that you thought I'd be an earthbender I did say that and you know how I feel about Steven Universe (laughs) I know how you feel about rocks I for context dear listeners I'm I'm a I'm a climate scientist tundra ecologist type deal 
But before this, I did a bit of just general geoscience, and I did some geology. And you just reek of it still. And I really (laughs) didn't vibe with it. Like, I met some good friends there, but, like, when it comes to it, at the end of the day, I truly do not give a shit about rocks. Like, if I had earthbending, if I woke up and had the ability to control rocks, I would weep. You know, I think it would be just cruel irony that I'd been given rock powers. (laughs) When my actual superpower in real life is predicting very inconsequential things. Like, when people will come to collect the trash. (laughs) Uh, when celebrities will die, that's not inconsequential. I predicted that BBC would upload a particular old stock video today. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I don't want to be a prophet, but, you know, like, I'll take that over rocks any day. (laughs) It just goes to show how much more inspiring the cartoon is. Yeah. To the movie in so many, so many ways. The movie didn't make me think a single thought other than why... Were we put on this earth to suffer? When will this movie end? And how can I get out of f- watching the rest of it? Where is the most fun place I can astral project to for the next two hours? <laughs> Literally anywhere. I could astral project to, like, Asda. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wander through the cheese aisle. <laughs> for, for, that's Walmart till the North Americans listening in. I've got, I, listen, I just like hang around in George, trying on clothes, astral project clothes. Oh man, there's nothing to say. Like I, I'm just, I'm just mad in so many ways. I'm hurt. I, I just, you had an opportunity making. Making this film, I don't think it was a good idea to turn a full season of episodic television yeah. into a one feature film. I think that's a faulty premise yeah. to begin with. I don't think you could make a good version of this movie. I think you could definitely make a much better version of this yeah. movie. And there's ways to like Im- increase the franchise. I think what when which they've done, like mm. the creators of Avatar then went on to make a season set, like, after Aang had, had died and the next Avatar had come into... So it's about Korra, who's the next Avatar, which is a waterbender, and it's set in, like, sort of, like, 20s through 30s, maybe early 40s era. There's some cool political stuff. You expand the world. You learn what's happened to people's children. It's, you know, that's the way to progress a franchise. Mm-hmm. Instead of making this... And Netflix have been trying to make a live-action TV show, mm-hmm. which the creators of the cartoon have pulled out of because mm. of they were trying to make it too mature, yeah. is what they said. It's like, yeah. how much sex were they putting into Avatar? <laughs> and why? <laughs> this is another thing that, like, what will live-action bring to the show? Why are you doing this? And is this not a theme of our podcast? (laughs) 
like, why is not what we this? said last week with 101 Dalmatians? Yeah. It's the same old story. Tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme. Happened with Beauty and the Beast, too. Yeah. Don't make your thing live action unless you have a specific reason for doing so. You can just make another se- series of Avatar. Yeah. You can just be like, I have an idea for the one that goes after Legend of Korra. Thank you for the segue. <laughs> Without sounding like a complete total nerd. I've got ideas for them to just continue the cartoon without making more live actions. And to get to the exciting one, you've got to go through this intermediate one. So you've got a waterbender, that's Cora, And then she dies, you get the next one, who is an earthbender. Now what I think would be fun, and not totally beyond the thematic remit, of this show is have that avatar commit some sort of horrible war crime something truly atrocious like an act of terrorism or something like sinking an island or something like that something something that an earthbender could do very something very terrible and then the next time there's an avatar it'll be a firebending one people are gonna be like oh god we don't want another avatar they're going to do a war crime. the Fire Nation invaded. <laughs> Sounds like a bad deal we can live without. And then you got that avatar trying to navigate that tough political climate in what I think, calculating it, would be today times. Yes. Very interesting political landscape. Could deal with populism, climate change, the legacy of terrorism. And then that avatar can be the first avatar in space. Which leads me to my other suggested season. <laughs> so, but far, far in the future, space avatar. This one can be an earthbending one just to, like, appease people. Um, thrown around moon rocks. Space avatar, the avatar in space. <laughs> That's the full title. Space avatar, the avatar in space. There's, like, an actual, like, 80s-style theme tune. Yeah, it's all synth. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I just think that these more original, like, just, like, expanding the universe ideas much better than rehashing. Here's the only, like, rehash of a good thing that I support. So, obviously, Lion King is a rehash of Hamlet. Yes. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of. And... This is not what I'm talking about, though. So you've got the Lion King cartoon. Yeah. Let's pretend that's the original. Yeah. The musical of the Lion King yeah. is absolutely fucking inspired. Mm-hmm. Now, Disney's like, we've got a great cartoon and we've got a great musical. Let's do a live action. No one liked it, even though it had Billy Eitner in it. Yeah. But the musical's a really great idea. Yeah. You, you're, you're, like, doing something very different with it. And I think the problem with M. Night Shyamalan here is that he was trying to stay quite true to the plot, basically. Yeah. Like, he didn't divert... He took things out, but he didn't add anything very radical. But he he just sucked the life out of it. Well, because when you've got a massive show like this that's episodic and so structured in such a way that you get little moments of interpersonal jokes and little things that make you get to know the characters. That's the life of the show. But if you're trying to tell the show as fast as you possibly can, you've just got a Cliff Notes version of it. Yeah. Instead of taking the premise and the general plot 
and radically reconstructing the way you tell the story yeah. for a, a film. And then at that point, you have to ask yourself, what is, what am I bringing to the table? Like the Lion King musical, that brings a lot to the table. Yeah. Someone had an idea. And I think it, it started with, I have a thing I want to do, not, I'd like to remake this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just recapitulate it, which was, I think, a major problem we had with Beauty and the Beast as well. It's just so close. Yeah. To the, that it's like, what was your motivation in making this? It It's very obvious that it was just money. I would take 20 Beauty and the Beast live actions over over one and like Shyamalan's Avatar. The Last Airbender. Well, Absolutely. I didn't hate... I didn't hate live action Beauty and the Beast to be fair, but it's but it's the the same vibe. Like you're yeah. just doing soulless live actions of things. Yeah. You're removing all the stuff that makes something charming, mm-hmm. and is bringing in your audience of either kids or people who watch things when they were kids mm-hmm. anyway, and then you're just betraying them. Yeah. Just just really think before listeners, all of our listeners who are Hollywood filmmakers, and I know you're out there, just think about why you want to make a movie before you make it. Your dreams are worthless. <laughs> you're not valid. <laughs> Shannon, that is not what Steven Universe teaches us. Everyone is valid, especially Gemstone Hitler. <laughs> If only she learned to love herself. I have not seen enough of Steven Universe to engage with this bit. But you know I'm right. <laughs> Some I've Steven- seen like six episodes of the first season. I don't even know everybody's name. Listen, it escalates. All of those episodes were ten minutes long. If you know the name of some gemstones, you know their names. <laughs> like, name a gemstone and they're there. Amethyst? It's fucking there. Oh, there we go. And she's awful. <laughs> They're all awful. Listen, I'm going to end up murdered. If there's no episode next week, it's because either a Steven Universe fan or a geologist friend of mine has heard this podcast, gotten really upset at the slander that I've been throwing out. <laughs> oh, but, but most dangerously, a Steven Universe fan who is a geologist. Dear Lord, if that exists, I'm afraid they're going to come for my bones. <laughs> which are made of calcium, <laughs> which they probably know all about. To the geologist Steven Universe fans listening, Elise is the one with the British accent. She is the one you want. I'm going to be doing a Canadian accent for the rest of the week. And <laughs> <laughs> they're going to come and earthbend my bones so they're all ground to a crisp and I'm just going to be a pile of powder on the floor and then I'll be sorry. Yeah, then you'll be... <laughs> Then you'll rethink what you said. Then I'll maybe then I'll reconsider. Yeah. But for now, I'm standing by. Okay. <laughs> Shannon, do you think that uh, cartoon Avatar is cursed, blessed, or blessed? I think it's blessed. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's blessed. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hell of a ride. I rewatched the whole thing um, right after I finished. Uh, I handed in my master's dissertation, and it was, like, cleansing my soul. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's on Canadian and UK Netflix at the moment, so this is a cursor blurst endorsement for me. Yeah. Um, I also think it is blessed. It's, it is very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, 
And it's a, it's a big sort of like fantasy saga without taking itself that seriously at all, which often put me off like a lot of fantasy stuff when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and the characters are great. There's some really cool uh, storylines. It's not afraid to talk about like some intense political and historical things. Mm-hmm. And I'd also on that note recommend The uh, Legend of Korra, which is a follow-up series. It's not as compelling as as um as Avatar, but it's uh it's um yeah, it's really good. The animation's really, really cool and I have not seen Legend of Korra, but I I trust Elise's judgment on this one. Yeah. And so that leads us to maybe the most pointless question I've ever asked <laughs> on this Godforsaken podcast. <laughs> Shannon, <laughs> do you think Emlyn Shyamalan's Avatar is cursed, blessed, or blessed? It's cursed. It's maybe the most cursed movie we've watched. Sometimes you say that, and I'm, I remember how you felt when we watched Cat in the Hat. I did feel... I, I was personally in pain... I do think this is more cursed on like a on like a an epic and fundamental scale. I think it is exactly. And I also think that it it had so much good content to work with and it squandered it horribly. Yeah. Um they had at least one talented actor. I can't really speak for anyone else. Dev Patel regrets being Yeah. on this in this movie, yeah. he said previously so um they squandered excellent source material there was lots of potential for them to to engage more with the the history and culture that the the show is engaging with and yeah. to to work with it on a deeper level and they didn't they had opportunities um to start the careers of some young actors and they were like we only want to Hire white kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were some horrible, horrible missteps in making this Yeah. Film. Another thing is the, the cartoon has an amazing score. Mm-hmm. For like a Nickelodeon show, yeah. the music was stunning. Yeah. And... <laughs> and in the movie, I remember a single... Usually I, usually a few days after, after watching a movie, I can remember some of the main melodies from a score. Mm-hmm. But I, I I cannot conjure to mind a single tune no. from this. They didn't even reuse the music from the cartoon, which already existed and presumably they had the rights to. Yeah, because it was Nickelodeon Studios that made the movie. They yeah. can use their own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what wasn't bad? The Spongebob movie. I don't like Spongebob. <laughs> That's fair. But, if but you I would di- rather watch the Spongebob movie a hundred times than watch Avatar The Last Airbender one more time. The Spongebob movie has charm. It has, like, narrative arcs. It has soul. I remember I remember some of the songs from uh, Spongebob. I can sing the Goofy Goober song if you wanted. I remember it. But I won't. Nickelodeon Studios is not a thing that exists nowadays, I don't think. <gasps> Can't imagine why. <laughs> oh. Uh, I think I think this movie's curse was wasted potential. Really. Yeah. Dear Lord M. Night Shyamalan. 
what a sad little life. <laughs> you ruined the franchise completely so that you could have the money. Because <laughs> we want to feel joy again. <laughs> Tune in next week to see if we feel joy again. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>